Week one, we learned that God has blessed us so that we can... God has made us a witness so that we can... God has made us a member of the body of the church so that we can... And then last week we learned that God has made us a godly friend so that we can... Have y'all enjoyed this series? It's been fun, hasn't it? Welcome to the book of Acts. This week, this week is a part two to last week. This is the to be continued or the director's cut bonus edition or whatever you want to call it, you know? The saga, that's what it is. I was kidding, it was, you had to be there, I don't tell you. I want to recap for you real quick for those of you who are new tonight that might have missed last week. I just want to catch you up so you can be a part of the whole journey with us tonight. Um, <clears throat> last week, we learned that a guy named Peter and John, who were best friends, were on the way to the temple at about three o'clock in the afternoon, and they saw, in the middle of the temple, they saw this crippled man who was begging as people walked in begging them for um, like some kind of help or some kind of token or coin. And Peter and John, they see this man, they stop what they're doing, and they help him. And the way they help them is by blessing him. And the way they bless him is by speaking the name of Jesus over this man who is crippled and cannot walk. He's been that way for 40 years. The man is immediately healed at the power of the name of Jesus. He gets up, Peter and John lift this man up. He begins walking and he begins leaping and he begins praising God because of what has just happened. The crowd that's at the temple ends up crowding around Peter and John and this man who is clinging to Peter and John, they're crowded around them. (coughs) I'm sorry. And they are astounded at what has just happened. And Peter takes advantage of the moment. He seizes the moment by standing up before all of these Jews and he begins preaching to them the good news of the gospel. And while he is preaching the good news of the gospel, 5,000 people give their life to Jesus. They believed in Jesus in faith and they repented of their sins, trusting Jesus as the Lord and Savior. So cool, such a... Incredible. I would love to have been there to see the change in all these people's lives. I mean, just last week we saw Kate, who got to experience life for the first time in a whole new way. Can you imagine 5,000 Kates who are all here tonight? Like, could you imagine that? That's a lot. And despite all this going on, there were a couple of religious leaders who were threatened by Peter and John and this Jesus guy. And so what they did was they took Peter in jail and they, Peter and John and they threw them both in jail. And they are, oh, I'll tell you, that's where we're going to pick up tonight in the story. <clears throat> that's where we're going to start at. If you have your Bibles and you want to follow along with us, you can. I'm not going to read every verse this week. I'm going to tell you guys the story 
based off what we see and learn from Scripture. It's Acts chapter 4. That's where we're going to be tonight. Acts chapter 4 is where we're going to land. Acts chapter 4. Peter and John have just woken up after spending their first night in the county jail. Peter and John have just woken up after spending their first night in the county jail. They're waiting patiently for the sentence or the judgment that's coming from the religious rulers of their day. Meanwhile, the religious leaders are gathered together with all the other elites, all the top dogs, the basically what we would consider the political leaders, the governors, the religious leaders, all of them are gathered together and they are attempting to figure out what do we do with this Peter and John cat? Like, what do we do with them? The guards were ordered to bring in Peter and John before them in the courtroom. This is the first time that Peter and John had ever spent a night in jail. They're probably very confused at what's happening, but they're also probably very excited to be leaving the jail cell. But what they don't realize is what's going to come next is probably more challenging than anything that they've faced so far. The religious leaders are trying to find out how they can put a stop to this Jesus movement going on in Jerusalem. And so they begin questioning Peter and John. Imagine a courtroom kind of setting with all the bigwigs. Everybody who is anybody is in this room and they're asking the disciples, Peter and John, and this is what they say in verse 7. By what power or by what name did you do this? They're referring to this man who at one point was a crippled beggar, is now a leaping believer in Jesus. The miraculous, like crazy wonder that has just happened before their eyes. By what power and by what authority, by what name, how did you do this? And Peter and John, who were full of the Holy Spirit, man, that from Acts chapter 1, we learn that the Holy Spirit filled them up and they're a different person. Like the power they have in the life that they're living is radically different. That's the same power that all of us have, by the way. That same Holy Spirit has empowered them and equipped them to give a word to the religious leaders that no one would be able to refute. Listen to what Peter says to the leaders. He says, rulers and elders, if, we are being examined today. If we're brought into this courtroom today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead <clears throat> by Jesus, by him. This man is standing before you well. <clears throat> this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, by you, religious leaders, 
This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which now this stone, Jesus, has become the cornerstone. And there, listen, there is no salvation in anyone else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter didn't hold back any punches, did he? He's letting it fly. Was Peter intimidated by the religious leaders and the elites of Jerusalem? No, man. Peter was bold, man. And the religious leaders knew it. If you were to keep reading in Acts chapter 4, the next few verses, it says this, that the crowd was basically floored. They were astonished. They were blown away that this guy, Peter, this this. Man who used to be a random fisherman in Jerusalem, this guy who was uneducated, was a regular Joe, no different than Annabelle or anyone else in this room, stood up to all of the elites, all of the rulers, all of the kingpins of Jerusalem and spoke so boldly. It says in Acts chapter four, the next two verses, it says literally that they could tell the only thing they knew to be true was that this man, Peter, had spent an adequate amount of time with Jesus. That's all they knew. They said, this dude has definitely been spending time with Jesus. The way that he spoke publicly was evident that he spent time with Jesus privately. Isn't that cool? The leaders of Jerusalem wanted to punish these guys for what they had done and what they had said, but They could not deny the miracle, man. They couldn't get past the fact that this guy really was crippled for 40 years and now stands. No, he's leaping before the council on the front row, testifying that he's been changed by Jesus himself. This Jesus that they're so against is the same Jesus that they were willing to put on a cross and crucify few months prior to this. See, they were speechless. The guards were ordered once again, take Peter and John out of this room, get them out of the council so that us leaders, us elites can chat and think through what we're going to do with these guys. The leaders were so uncertain with what to do, they began working through ways they can put this matter to rest. They asked one another, what are we going to do with these guys? Everyone in Jerusalem knows about this crazy wonder that this whole man was healed by Jesus. We can't even deny it. They said, listen, maybe the best way to silence this whole Jesus thing is if we just threaten them not to speak about Jesus anymore. Like, we can threaten them. We've got power. We've got authority. We can make laws in our city. We'll just make a law that says you can't talk about Jesus anymore. It sounded good to them, so they bring back in Peter and John. They come in. They threaten Peter and John by saying, you are forbidden to speak or to teach or to preach in the name of Jesus Christ. You are forbidden to speak or to teach or to preach in the name of Jesus Christ. And Peter, I mean, being very kind 
compassionate towards them, but speaking with conviction and boldness. Peter says to them, whether, this is so good. If you want to highlight something in your Bible, it is verse 19 and 20. This is what it says. Verse 19 and 20. If you want to read it, you can. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to listen to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. I'll read it again. Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you or to listen to God, you can be the judge of that. But we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. What they're saying is, you can make every law in the book, but we are not going to listen to the laws of man. We're going to listen to the laws of God, which he has commanded me in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, into the ends of the earth. When Jesus was going up into heaven, his final words to the disciples said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All the power has been given to Jesus. And he says to them, therefore, go and make disciples. Baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. Jesus modeled for me how to live differently than what my culture tells me to live. Although the religious leaders attempted to further threaten them, their hands were simply tied because the people of Jerusalem were praising God on behalf of what Jesus had done to this man. Peter and John, they were free to grow. They were free to leave. There were no more shackles or jail cell awaiting them. They were free to go. So Peter and John, they go back to their friends, man. They're like, dude, you won't believe what just happened, man. Like, they're blown away at what God has done. They go back to their friends. And they tell them, listen, I got to tell you what God has done. They say, we were being on the way to the temple, man. And we saw this, this crippled beggar on the side of the gate. And we, we stopped. We saw him. We talked to him. We even blessed him. We spoke the name of Jesus over him and told him to get up. And the man stood up and he has been changed ever since. He clung to our arms. He was walking with us. The guy who hasn't walked in 40 years is walking with us through the temple and he's praising God and he's leaping. I'm going to be honest. It was a real dramatic scene. I'm not going to lie for you, okay? And the crowd was pressing in. They were blown away. They knew this guy for 40 years. He's walking now. He said, and dude, we started preaching the gospel. And dude, you won't believe it. 5,000 people got saved. And he says, this, I know it was like weird to do that. I know it's weird for me to stand up in the temple and be like, I got to tell you all about Jesus. He said, but we did it, man. And the religious guys were so like just torqued by what we were doing. They brought us in and put us into jail. The next morning, we didn't know how long we were going to be there. We were going to be there for a month or a year or forever. I have no idea what was going to happen. They brought us out into this big fancy room with all these big fancy people. And they started talking with us about how we're not supposed to talk about Jesus and all these things. And he says, we just told him straight up. You can make every law in the book, but if you tell us to do something that goes against what God says, I'm telling you flat out, we're going to obey God every single time. And he said, they literally opened the doors 
and we walked out scotch-free. And the whole church of Jerusalem, all the people that are hearing this testimony, I mean, they're just strengthened and encouraged by what God is doing. And they began praising God together. They began praying together. This is a moment in Acts where they say they were praying together and literally the building they were praying in began shaking. I mean, like God was moving in the city in a special way because these guys were living against what the culture told them. And you know what that happened? You know what happened after this? Not just Peter and John, but the whole church began to speak the word of God boldly in Jerusalem. Boldly. These guys were arrested and it just in, like fired the people to live even more bold for Jesus, you know? I think it's an amazing story in the book of Acts, don't you? It's cool. But man, I don't want to just be someone that reads great stories about the disciples. I want to be a part of great stories today. You know, I want to live and walk in a way that reflects what Peter and John were a part of. So I have one big idea for you tonight. One big fill in the blank for you guys, man. Be a rebel against the culture. Be a rebel against the culture. Be a rebel against the culture. I got to go quick here because I want to honor y'all's time and I want to get something at the end that I think we can all be a part of. So I'm, I'm going to cut this part a little bit shorter, but I just need to know this right here. Peter and John, there were laws that were being made against them. It was probably really weird for them to stand up in the... It's weird for them probably to talk to the beggar and to try to perform a miracle on that guy. It's probably weird for them to stand up and preach the gospel in front of the temple with everybody. It's probably weird for them to come out of the jail cell and then tell the religious, re, religious leaders, hey, we're going to obey God, not man. I'm sorry to tell you that. I don't, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be a bad guy, but we're going to obey God before we obey man. I'm just telling you right now. It's probably outside their norm and not something you would expect from them. But man, they were just trying to be faithful what God had called them to. They were a rebel with their life by living differently, by speaking differently. They were counterculture to what they were around. When you hear the word rebel, you may think of like a revolution. You may think of like a biker gang with a bunch of tattoos, or you may think of the hippie movement with a bunch of people smoking and all drinking and all this stuff. You may think of Star Wars rebels. I don't know what you think of. I mean, whatever you want to pick, okay? There's a list of things you can think of. There's a lot of things of rebels. I'm not talking about those kind of rebels, guys. What I'm talking about is this. Jesus was one of the first pictures of a real rebel in his day. There was a lady who was a Samaritan woman. She was a lady who had a ton of husbands. She had like six or seven husbands. And I'll be honest, all the guys had rejected her and all the girls didn't want to be around her. So in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, she would have to go to the well by herself. She was lonely. She was hurt. She was jaded by people. And everyone avoided this Samaritan woman except for Jesus who said, 
I will cross cultural barriers. The Jews are never supposed to talk to and hang out with the Samaritans. He said, I don't care about race or skin color or their fathers or their land. I'm gonna go to her and I'm gonna talk with her and I'm gonna bless her. When the adulterous woman was brought who had been caught sleeping with another man, brings him out to the middle of the courtyard. Everyone picks up a stone ready to stone her because they caught her in this act of adultery. Jesus was the one who walked over to her and said, you who's without the first sin can cast the first stone. And he stood over top of her and he protected her from them. And slowly people would drop their arms and drop their stones until it was just Jesus and this woman left here. And he sat and he ministered to her. Jesus was the one who went and found that leprous man last week when we saw the, chip, the, the, the clip of the chosen last week. Remember that moment? Whenever everyone was like, get away from me, he's a leprous. And Jesus was like, dude, chill, bro. Just go and love this guy. You remember that moment? When people would run away, when people would say, you don't do that, Jesus was the one who did. He hung out with the people who were addicted to alcohol, who were prostitutes and adulterous people in their city, who were known as the sinners. He said, I'm going to hang out with them, not because I want to be like them. I want to go hang out with them because I want to be a part of seeing the change in their life. I want to bless them. He was the rebel. He was the first one who said, I know culture says this, but this is what my God tells me to do, and I'm going to obey him. That's what Peter and John are doing in Acts chapter four. They're saying, I want to be a part of change in this world. I want to live differently than the rest of the world. I want to be a part of what God's doing. So I want to finish tonight. We're going to finish on this side. On your piece of paper, there are 16 phrases at the bottom. Do y'all see that? I'm going to read it for you. And then I'm going to give you guys a chance to help me out. Be a rebel. I feel like everybody always talks about wanting to be a rebel these days. Like, I want to be different. I want to be all this kind of stuff. You want to be a rebel, man. You want to be someone who's different than the cold. You want to, you want to go against normalcy? This is it. Be a rebel by treating your parents with respect. Be a rebel by showing kindness to your teachers. Be a rebel by deciding not to cheat on your schoolwork. Be a rebel by choosing to listen to godly music. Be a rebel by choosing to watch clean movies and TV. Be a rebel by choosing to limit your social media. Be a rebel by keeping yourself from talking bad about other people. Be a rebel by denying yourself. But can I just say, talking bad about the I was convicted. I was hanging out with Reeve and my friends, and we, I made a joke about something that I was there, and I felt so bad this past, like the last two weeks, been eating me up. I'm working on that one right there, but make sure that I guard my tongue to speak highly of other people instead of talking down to people. I'm working on that one. Be a rebel by denying yourself from saying inappropriate words. Be a rebel by befriending people who don't have the same color skin as you. Be a rebel by waiting until marriage to have sex. Be a rebel by standing firm for marriage between only a man and a woman. 
Can y'all handle this? Are y'all okay with me going here? Be a rebel by abstaining from any drugs or alcohol. I talked to a guy the other day, and he told me he's, he's a guy that left our ministry. He's in high school. He just He told me, he said, man, I, I had my first drink of alcohol whenever I was in seventh grade. Hey, just listen. Look, y'all. This is real. It's real stuff, man. Be a rebel by refusing to be influenced by ungodly famous influencers. I'm talking about the Andrew Tates. I'm talking about the Logan Pauls. I'm talking about... Y'all get it. Hey, not right now, Wyla. Be a rebel by reading your Bible every single day. Be a rebel by coming to Life Group every week. Be a rebel by choosing to follow Jesus, man, with your whole life. Here's what I want to just listen. Here's what I want to ask you. I got about I got about like maybe six seven minutes left. I want to just invite you with this. Out of these sixteen things I just said, which one would you like for me to talk about for about sixty seconds? Which one? What you got? Read your Bible every day. I'll tell you this straight up. Sixty seconds. We got any kind of timer in there? Thank you. Give me a timer for me, Arben. 60 seconds. Here you go. Reading the Bible every day. I'm telling you right now, if I could give you any advice, the number one thing to help you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ, I mean, there's nothing that comes close to it. Number one thing is daily choosing to spend a little bit of time in the Bible, reading it, and seeking to say, God, will you show me or teach me something? There's not a better payment or dividend or investment of your time than doing that every single day with the Lord, giving him a chance to sit with you and to speak truth in your life. If you can't make time for reading your Bible, then you need to look at your calendar and find out what you need to cut out of your life so you can do that better. I promise. If you want to learn to read your Bible, if anyone wants to grow in that, you come find one of us. We will walk you through it. What's another topic y'all want me to cover? What's the next one? What you got? Talking bad about other people. My goodness. When I was in, appreciate you saying that, Kyle. I appreciate it. Whenever I was in middle school, my best friend Cody and I, every day in homeroom, we would make fun of people. Just hold up. I'm not, listen, I'm, I'm flawed. We would make fun of people that would come through in fifth and sixth grade. And we thought we were the, class clown. We thought we were the funniest cats. Until here's the deal. One of the people we were making fun of started really being hurt by it. And I began to realize that my words I was using were being used to cut people down. And I remember, I'm not kidding this, I went for a whole month where I went to school and I barely talked to anybody. Because every time someone would say something, a thought would come in my mind and I wanted to say it. I wanted to say it because I thought it'd be funny or would get a laugh. And I had to just tell myself, guard your mouth, man. And I just, I just, I don't part, I just shut up, man. I just shut up at school. And I just said, I'm not going to talk unless I have something good and positive to say. I went from that in middle school to being in high school. I was friends with my whole school, man. Every, 321 graduating class, friends with 
almost every single person in my class, I was tight with them. And it wasn't because I'm whatever. It's because I had positive things to say and talk to people. That's why my friend Alex got saved that one day because I think I made it intentional to be his friend. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Sorry, that was longer than I should have been. What's another one? What y'all got? Social media. Social media, media, I'm telling y'all, I can't name one time I've ever spent an hour and a half scrolling through social media or scrolling through YouTube and ever walked away and was like, man, I just feel great now. Man, that's awesome. Never. It sucks out the joy if you stay there forever. My wife is the biggest role model for me right now. She has gotten rid of all of her social media. She has one single game downloaded, and it's called Block Puzzle. You ever seen this game before? Okay. That's the game that me and her play all the time, back and forth. But I'm telling you, my wife has gotten rid of her social media for how long, babe? A couple months? And has it not been so good for the soul? So good for the soul. I know your parents, I'm sorry, last I'm going over a little bit, Ben, I'm sorry. I know your parents are putting limits on you and saying, oh, you shouldn't have this or have this and this. And most time, my students would want to just roll their eyes. I'm just telling you from experience, I'm begging you guys, TikTok and Snapchat and all that stuff. Just listen, just listen, just listen before you roll your eyes at me. Shh, please, TikTok and Snapchat, I'm telling you, they are a trap for, from the enemy, And there may be entertainment value in them, but there are so many things that poison and take away from what God is wanting to do in your life because you spend hours on there and it deteriorates and erodes the purity that's in your heart because you're being exposed to things that you shouldn't on Snapchat and what's the other one I mentioned? TikTok TikTok and the other ones. Y'all get it. I would advocate, I would advocate to stay away from social media as long as possible. And I know you don't like me for it. I'm just telling you, that's the best advice I can give you. You got one right here? Right there on the right there. Well, you're holding I'll come to that one at the end. What you got next to you? Yeah. Marriage between a man and a woman. Thank you so much. Here's the deal. I I can't I mean I really would love to teach on this one day. I really would. I just don't know if middle scores, if y'all would be interested in or not. I'm not sure. But in my mind, from what I read in the scripture, it's very clear that God has ordained marriage to only be between a man and a woman. Culture says that if you say that, you are a bigot, you are a buffoon, you're an idiot for going against the whole LGBTQ agenda. And listen, I have, an, I have a cousin who I just saw at a funeral a few weeks ago for my family. She goes by a girl name my whole life until the last little bit, she's gone by a guy name. And she says that she's a different gender now. And you know what I did? I, you know what I, did? I showed love. I sat down and I said, what's up? How are you doing in life first? How are you doing And I just talked with her and chatted with her. And I said, hey, I know that other people are calling you this other name. I just want to know, where's that coming from? Talk to me about what you're thinking, what's going on. And she told me very plainly about what she was thinking there, a little bit going back and forth. And I just told her, I said, listen, I want you to know, I love you so much. You're my family. You're my cousin. And you have 
I'm going to put an arm around you and I'm going to be with you in the whole journey and the whole thing you're walking through. But I want you to know right now, I will never be able to support what you're saying though. I'm going to hold it firm with compassion. I'm going to show love with you all day long, but I'm going to stand firm on conviction of what I believe the Bible says. I'm not going to call you Sebastian because I'm trying to be nice to you and you're treating you like a guy. You are a girl. You were formed and made by God as a girl. And I'm not trying to be mean or hateful. I love you. I care about you so much and want the best for you. That's why I got to stick to my conviction. But I'm not going to stick to my conviction in a mean, hateful, rude way. I'm going to show it with compassion. I'm going to show compassion to you while also holding true to the conviction of what the God's word says. I would love to talk more about that one, but that's, that's the response I would have for that situation. And I'll be honest, too many Christians are so mean to people who are LGBTQ. And too many Christians give the LGBTQ a pass and say, it's no big deal, you do what you want. Both of those responses are very wrong. Both are very wrong. They require you to be very compassionate and show love to people without compromise by standing true of what God's word says by the conviction of what he says about how marriage is between a man and a woman, and that is the only option that God has ordained. Does that make sense? What you got? Uh, listening to godly music. Listening to godly music. Yeah, okay. <sighs> I've told this story before. Um, I remember having $100 of iTunes purchase of all kind of filthy music that all my friends listened to. Because I knew that whenever I went to the eighth grade dance, I didn't want to be the only guy that showed up that didn't know the songs there. You know what I'm saying? That was a real struggle for me. I did not want to be the guy in the corner that doesn't know the lyrics or the stuff. So I was downloading songs, listening to them. One day, I just was so convicted. I was listening to a song, and it was a terrible, terrible song. It was talking about very inappropriate sexualized things. And I was just like, why am I listening to this junk? And I just got to this point where I said, like, I care more about knowing my God rather than knowing the music of my people. I'm not saying I don't ever listen today to other stuff. I'm not trying to act like I've got it figured out there. But I'm very cautious about what I listen to on that side of thinking through just on my own of what I'm putting in my mind. And there's times where I probably have blurred the line there. But I would say for you in middle school, for me as a pastor, all of us, we should look at our our playlist and ask the question, does what I'm listening to, would I be okay listening to this in front of my pastor, Brother Steve Gaines right now? That's how I view it a little bit. I'm not trying to put him on a high pedestal. I think about would my pastor or my parents or my Savior Jesus be mad at me for listening to this? That's what I think about. I hope that helps. In the back. No way, man. Amen, bro. How's it been? Has it been good? Yeah. That's sick, man. Next week, next week, Jake is preaching. And he's going to be talking about how do you fill up your heart with the joy of the Lord. You know, he's going to talk about that real quick. And so, all right, I'm going to go right back here to the back. Coming to Life Group every week, man. Here's the deal. I'm, I mean this, and I, the best thing you can be a part of here in middle school ministry is Life Groups. I mean, the mix, I love the mix, so much fun. 
the best thing you can be a part of is a life group, man. And some of y'all come to Wednesday nights, but don't always come to Sunday mornings. I'm begging you, be here for Sunday mornings because life groups is where you're going to find real community. You're going to grow in your faith. You're going to be challenged in a one-on-one setting, and you're going to get opportunities to lead with your friends around you. So I'm going to go maybe one or two more, and then we're done on my side. Anybody want to say that's a toughie out the duffy? Anybody want to give it me? Okay, yeah. Toughie out the duffy. All right. Hey, dude, I see, just looking at the news and stuff, I see all the time students who are being so mean to their teachers. Have y'all seen videos on that something before? Y'all seen that, right? And I, I look at it, and I just can't help but think in the middle of that class, why are no other students standing up for their teacher, man? Like, why, why would Camden allow Trey to stand up and treat his teacher just like, like a dog? Camden ought to be in Trey's face saying, hey, you better cut it out, bro. Like, you better chill. Like, I'm, I'm standing up for my teacher. I'm going to stand in the gap. Instead of just being a participant and laughing or filming, I'm getting in the middle of this thing, and we're going to stop this. And sure, Camden may get in trouble from the people because he's standing up for his teacher. I, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that whole deal because I'm going to stand up for the justice of what's going around me. I'm not going to stand on the sideline in the middle of this deal and let it just fly. Your teachers, my wife was a teacher for a year at White Station Middle School and she loved her students, but I'm not kidding. There were so many days she came home and said, my students were so, so difficult today. They were so difficult. And it's not because she's not a good teacher. She doesn't love her since she is so mean. She's so kind to me. She brings candy to them all the time, takes care of them, all these things. But her students will be so rude at different times. 